0: Where is there hope in this age of narcissism? Welcome to The Hub for Important Ideas. I'm Steve James. And I'm Ken Swain. In this episode, we talk about narcissism, the unexpected dangers it poses for our society, and possible antidotes that we believe have far-reaching potential. We're going to play for you a conversation we had with Sheldon
1: Solomon two weeks ago. We pulled this segment from what started as a sound check and turned into a long, casual conversation about several topics that we had on our minds. The more formal recording we'll have for you in the next podcast
0: or two, but we like what was said here, so we thought we would share it. So, to introduce Sheldon, Sheldon Solomon, Ph.D., is a social psychologist at Skidmore College. He is best known for co-developing terror management theory with Jeff Greenberg and Tom Pasinski, which is concerned with how humans deal with their own sense of mortality. He is the author or co-author of over a 100 articles and several books and has been featured in several films, television documentaries, and radio interviews. He co-authored the book The Worm at the Core on the role of death in life with Greenberg and Pasinski. He most recently appeared in the documentary planet of the humans. Here's the conversation with Dr. Solomon.
1: I think it's important that we talk about narcissism on a continuum and point out that it has a good side, a middle, and a bad side. Because everybody has a tendency to think narcissism, bad. I don't disagree with that. I just think it'll reframe the subject for people, and they might think about it differently.
0: We've been hearing about an epidemic of narcissism for a long time. I, I mean, two thousand nine, at least. Yeah,
1: but, and but, and but, by that we mean Tr- was Trumpian, about, Trumpian narcissism. Well,
0: Trump Trump raised it to a new level. He did, right? So, so all of a sudden, it became this hot buzzword, you know? Right? And yeah, you're right. There's healthy narcissism, and there's the narcissism of little children, and. Everybody has to take care of themselves to a certain degree, right? That, that, that's fine. But narcissism is, full-blown narcissism is, is a mental illness. Yeah. So it, it gets confusing when you talk about it on a continuum. Maybe we should give it a, a, a qualifier? To help us out, Sheldon. I mean, um. radical narcissism or really bad narcissism, what, what's the right term?
2: No, I think we're going to have to chew on this a
1: bit. Like, uh, uh, Go, Ken. I've got a little bit of a a narcissistic personality disorder. And I learned from spending a quarter of a million dollars of my own money on therapy that it has to do with temperament, which is one of the reasons I wanted to talk about temperament. Because my temperament is like your temperament, which is not like my mom's temperament was at all. And I realized that at a very young age because I would meet someone else like myself and they immediately got things about me that my own mother didn't get. To me, it's really, uh, I've been preoccupied with it
2: since we talked on the phone. Right. And I, I, I think it's too huge. We have to sort it out. I don't have it yet because what, what we're, I think, converging on is that we need to figure out a way to convey what we mean by narcissism that acknowledges that it's natural that it varies temperamentally right that it is not of necessity an abomination right but can readily become one yes and is more likely to do so in certain historical moments in particular cultural
0: contexts. But could we use a different, could we use a term like self-centeredness, self-absorbed? There are other ways of talking about, you know, arrogance. There are all these other ways of talking about narcissism without necessarily using that clinical term.
2: Yeah, yeah except that it's the one that's getting bandied about right now right. so we yeah. want to interface with it right? and and here I'm going to have to do my homework cuz the Christopher Lash dude have you ever heard that name mm. we're going to have to google him he wrote a book called The Culture of Narcissism I okay. have heard of that book yeah. and this is in the you know late 1970s early 1980s and you Steve this is in your fucking book Reagan you know we have to track this historically you, you have to weigh in on this one,
0: in the sense that that's yes. a lot of what your book is about. Yeah. No, I know. You're, but you're the only one who read it. I, well, no, Dan Lichty read it. Okay. But that that's two. I well,
1: read large parts of it.
0: Y- yeah. No matter, the, the argument remains intact. And no, it the- does. It does. The human mind makes connections and relationships, even when they don't exist, right? But- Two things might be coincidental, but they happen around the same time so you link them, right? So, I don't know if I'm making linkages that make sense, and I need you to tell me, is this insane or is this intelligent? Yeah. So, I'm I- linking narcissism. Yep. The article I was looking at was talking about modesty, the difference between Modesty and humility, how humility can generate gratitude and gratitude can generate humility and create an upward spiral. And I'm going, holy shit, that's the most hopeful thing I've heard in decades. Yeah. A hopeful spiral. So now. A hopeful spiral. Spiral. Did you. Did
1: you- is that from something?
0: Yeah, it's an article that I've got sitting in my bag. So somebody
1: already. else said hopeful spiral?
0: Uh, they said upward spiral. I Ho- said hopeful. hopeful. spiral is I a nice said, uh, uh, yeah, but up, an upward couplet. It is, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I was just going to suggest we write that down. And
0: see, like, what, what we've been wrestling, spiral. What we've been wrestling I like with it. for, I, I'm going to say, 43 years ago, I read The Denial of Death... And immediately then after read Escape from Evil, which is my favorite book. Me too. And no. Really? I thought your favorite book was, was Birth and Death of Meaning.
2: Uh, well, all right. I, I want to have it both ways. Okay. <laughs> that's
1: a good book oh, on yeah. the psychology side of it. But y- Yes. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. So that's why
2: I want to have it both ways. I was Ken. so
1: drawn to chapters like with the title What is Normal? Um, what is normal? That, like, what, what you're asking, and one of the questions I want to ask in the future is,
0: who gets to decide who's crazy? Well, that's the whole gun gun control debate. Well, now, you know, it's like who gets to decide who's Lang?
1: Lang made the point that insanity is the sane response to an insane
0: world. Well, let me let me finish my my thought. It was like the you get to the end of Escape from Evil, and you're like, is this a v- is this a viable species? Yeah, and okay, you've just gone through this incredible trip with Becker, where you're filled with misanthropy, right? I had absolutely no use for the human race at that point. I'm looking at the past, the the history of the, of mankind. I'm going, oh, this a freaking nightmare, and then you're looking at the present, you're going, well, this is a nightmare. And then you're looking at the future and you're saying there's no hope. That's even worse. Yeah, there's no hope because we're not going to change what people are about. And and not only that, but our culture doesn't have the redeeming, cosmic, religious part that helps... Kind of held it together held for it together. a lot of years. So, in, so instead as Becker pointed out we don't have a defense against an adequate defense against death anxiety we don't have adequate opportunities for heroism we're all fucked up and so you get to that and then you go well now what do I do with the rest of my life and i'm in my 20s at this point and i'm going i i don't like this yeah i got to find out how to live knowing this yeah right so that's what we've all been wrestling with ever since we read these books it's yeah. like how do you live thinking that we're not a viable species five years ago when we're in the we're shooting in the hallway outside your office, Sheldon, and you turn to the wall that that graphic on the wall and you started talking about this early experiment on humility and gratitude as a as a defense against death anxiety You said you know we're in early stages where I can't really say much yet because Hasn't really been verified or whatever. But, you know, there's something to this. And I think I heard you talk about it in a presentation you made in Israel. Is that right? Yeah, it could be. Could have been? I don't know. But you didn't – I haven't heard much about that. But it's been five years. So I'm assuming that a lot has happened in those five years. No, not at all. Um, So being silly but not,
2: Steve. uh, There was a – a promising piece of research. Right. I, I'm, I'm in my early Mr. Magoo phase. So
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: It was when you said, Oh, when you were there five years ago, it's like five years. Yeah, man. How, how could that be? Yeah. So, but uh, true enough, that's when I started getting interested in the gratitude and yes. humility thing. Right. And it was in part at the, um, Interest of a young student, yep. so the Skimmer student, she was interested in positive psychology and existential psychology.
0: Positive psychology and, being Seligman and yeah, yeah, yeah and I, yeah. you know, so Seligman. Yeah, Seligman.
2: and I think those guys are generally, you know, fairly they're decent people, but it's superficial
0: at best. um uh, And he also attacked terror management theory on the. I know, the I wrote to him.
2: Yeah. Uh, We agreed to disagree about that. But anyway, so I was like, you know, what do you want to do? And um, she had been in uh, the guy who teaches positive psychology at Skidmore, a guy named Mark Rye, is a great guy. And he studies gratitude. Okay. So I'm like, well, whatever. Uh, You know, let's try it. So we did, you know, our experiments couldn't be more simple. We did a gratitude salience induction. You know, we just ask people to, you know, reflect on a time that you were grateful, right, for something, and to think about what that was specifically. You know, write down, and then that's followed by the usual death manipulation. So you're you're either primed to think about something that you're grateful for or not, and then you're either reminded of death or not. And then we do that little word stem completion task okay. that measures non-conscious death thoughts. Right.
1: Coffee as opposed to coffee. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Skill Skill as opposed skull. to skull. skull. Yeah. yeah.
2: And so I was quite surprised when we found with a very small sample that just reflecting on something that you were grateful for the participants who w- w- were
1: grateful had lower death thought accessibility. And so you had another group that was getting mortality salientized that didn't have gratitude? Yeah,
2: so, right. But okay. Ken, actually, that's a, that's a great point. Actually, the thing about it is is this study was an anomaly of sorts because technically we predicted that the death reminder – would matter but it turns out that it didn't we got what's called a main effect and that is that the people who thought about being grateful they had lower death thought accessibility in both the death condition as well as the other one wow and what that suggests you don't you can't make anything of a single study right, right? but to just do what you can't and that's to suppose that that means something Right. That could mean that gratitude is pretty potent shit that it actually no kidding. um renders you more sublime than uh, in a baseline condition. Right. All right. That finding though desperately needs to be studied extensively. studied again. All right. Though the more compelling work is the humility end of things. All right. And this is one of Tom's students. And again, I'll, I'll stare at it when it comes time for us to, to be talking about this, because it's good to be precise. It's described in that handout, okay. I think, that I sent you guys. Maybe not, but you know, basically, they just found that Tom and one of his students, you know, they did this, again, a humility induction, you know, where they were careful to explain what humility is as opposed to self-deprecation. Or modesty. Yeah, modesty. That's right. They're they're different. And so anyway, they do this humility induction. Then they do the death thing. And then they measure whether you piss on somebody who's different. And the people who were humble did not respond to the death reminder by denigrating someone who's different. Right. Now, she did like four other things that are variants of that notion, all interesting and all different, that basically converge on the idea that humility in the empirical sense appears to buffer existential anxieties as well as affirming your cultural worldview or bolstering
0: self-esteem. The article that I'm referencing, and I'm sorry I didn't send it to you, but I didn't have access to the electronic version. I don't even know if I have the electronic version. I think it just, I scraped it off the internet. But I'll get it to you both. Because this team of psychologists, I think it was like three people. They studied humility and gratitude, and they saw that humility and gratitude was an antidote to insomnia and stress. Yeah, They're looking at these Maladies that it counteracts. Yep. And it makes perfect sense yes. to me because, like I said, when we were talking on the phone, it's at the heart of Catholicism. I don't know if it's at the heart of Judaism or, you know. Uh, of course it is. Yeah, it's at the yeah, heart of it is. It is. every, every religion. Every religion yeah. has that. I can't speak for every it's religion. It's kind of the golden you know, rule. Yeah, in a way. it is. I, but I I know that was what the whole experience was for us as as kids growing up with the nuns and the priests and all. It's like, be humble in the eyes of God. Be humble in this world that you found yourself in. Be grateful for your life, for being in this world. Understand that you're going to die. You're told you're going to die like every day. And you're going to go to heaven and you're going to be Blissfully happy for party, the eternity. You're going to party with your dead relative. and so and so, but you're but you're not at the top of the food chain. You're number two or three behind God, the angels, and humans, right? So there's no reason for you to commit the cardinal sin of pride. Pride was defined as putting yourself above God or ahead of God. So that was like your. Destined for hell if you commit this cardinal sin. Here we are, here we find ourselves in this narcissistic society where narcissism is rewarded, revered every time you turn on the TV, you're either watching a reality TV show where they just people are just talking about themselves constantly. Goldie loves to watch Dancing with the Stars. I hate that. I like the dancing part. But yeah. you cringe. I can't stand When they start oh talking. God, yeah. you and And somebody has to cry once an episode. Yeah. Yep. Somebody's got to talk about how their parents. Are, I and, mean, the skill is great. I, I do like that. I can't stand the sound. No. Or an awards show where they, they walk up on the stage and they get handed the award, whatever. It's a, an awards show every three weeks, right? Some kind of an award. Academy Awards, Emmy Awards, Oscars, you know, Golden Globe. And it's always the same thing. They get up on the stage and they go, I, I, me, me, I'm going to, I. And you just cringe, cringe hearing that. And you go, ah, I can't, I can't process it. But yet at the same time, studies are being done showing that the more narcissistic your Facebook post, the more likes you get. So we're in this, culture where we're being told it's good to be arrogant it's good to be self-centered it's good to think of your your achievement your the wealth you're amassing because of these incredible talents that you have and then the common good is goes on the back burner
1: it's very anti-nichie Nietzsche. is gratitude and compassion he thought they were weak just weakness and he thought that the people who March in and take what they want. Those are the ones who he thought were were the best. Well, I'm not saying Nietzsche. Yeah, I, I don't. You. I don't love Nietzsche. I mean, I I respect that a lot of people think he was the greatest philosopher after Plato. Yeah, but he makes it hard to
0: have a good day sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for links, looking for connections. All of these things now are like in a jumble. I'm saying. Narcissism linked to self-esteem. On the outside, they look the same. On the inside, they're completely different. You can be narcissist with low self-esteem. Yeah, narcissists. Yeah,
2: they do have low, low, implicit self-esteem. Implicit, yeah. self-esteem.
0: Implicit. <laughs> implicit, exactly. Yeah. yeah so uh,
2: you know, there. You know, one way of thinking about it that is I think comprehensible and also empirically defensible is that the narcissist is a legend in his own mind, right, scores unbelievably high on self-esteem measures, and unbelievably low on measures of implicit or unconscious self-esteem. So on the one hand, you, you know, you give them a self-esteem scale, they're like, I'm the best, fuck the rest. But these implicit things, it has to do with reaction times, how rapidly you associate like first-person pronouns with negative adjectives. Wow. It shows that the Karen Horneyes of the world are right when they insist that narcissistic self-inflation is a manifestation of extraordinary
0: lack of self-regard. That's so counterintuitive. It is. So is
1: grandiosity, which is another characteristic of narcissists. Arrogance. Yeah. They tend to...
2: So arrogance, vindictiveness, and grandiosity. And lack
0: of empathy. Yeah. Yeah. Vindictiveness. Yeah. Yeah. So you're in this Becker world. You're looking at the culture that you're in. You surround the society that you're in. You've basically lost faith in humanity. You're dealing with this awful, negative view of the world and life. And yet you're saying to yourself, but this is vitally important. If everyone understood this, we'd have a better world. And I've always believed that from from the very beginning. I said, everybody should know these things. We would have a better life. But yet, deep inside, you're going how do i how do i even begin to get people interested or aware of these these ideas yeah when negative doesn't even describe what they do to people but for the first time in all this time when you brought up this humility and gratitude and I'm started to to link and say okay as it was antimatter to narcissism. This is the most hopeful message I've heard in decades. Ken and I are like we're like giddy at this point because we're saying if self esteem and heroism are the primary defenses against death anxiety, and you have a society that's that's stingy about your self esteem and your heroism, your opportunities for heroism, And the only people with really strong self-esteem are the billionaire class and the the politicians with power and the models who are beautiful. And you say, well... Where does that leave the most, The rest of us? Where does that leave the mass of humanity?
1: And then the final chapter of the guy's great book says, "We. I don't know if uh, humanity is a viable form of yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> good, good, luck, good luck completing this sale. Yeah. I mean, people yeah. are like, you know, you had me for a minute there, but right. is this what you got? Exactly. You're, you're going to go Jeff Greenberg on my ass? Yeah.
0: Oh, it's all about death. And you go, well, it's not all about death. Death, exactly. It's all about death denial. You've already you know, lost them. Don't even bother. You've already lost them. But if you say, let's let's think about a society that's built around humility and generosity or gratitude. or gratitude, think about what that would look like. That would be like like the nuns that taught me in school, like the priests who took a vow of poverty they took vows of chastity and obedience okay but they took vows of poverty meaning they renounced what we as a society most revere. value revere Goldie and I were over a friend's house the other night and he was saying well I made it I'm a millionaire now and he brought out his his fidelity statement and he's showing you're, us
1: you're kidding me no
0: and I'm not kidding. And he's made a million dollars in the stock market. And he's saying, you know, so, you know, so here I'm at. And I'm like, this is amazing to me. I also got rid of that hemorrhoid.
1: Do You want me to show you?
0: I know. <laughs> I know. I know. And I'm thinking, well, this, I'm happy for him. And I'm, you know, I'm saying, well, you know, congratulations. What a,
1: what a crass thing. That's not to- cr- no, it's, it's not No, it's not. It's
0: extremely crass. No, it's the, it's the culture that we're in. Well, that's what he's supposed to think. Even if you think it, it's kind of... I know. I know. And then to pull out your bank statement as if... Yeah. Look at my bank statement? No. uh, Well, he was trying to explain to us that we should be doing what he did, forget mutual funds and put your money into stocks. I mean, it was an interest. I mean, he was was trying to be helpful. But I'm just saying that this is the, the society we're in where... Jeff Bezos is this hero because he's got the most money. And and we talked about Warren Buffett, you know. Yeah. pushing 90, it's going to be 90 this month I think. Still St- goes to work every day. Still goes to work every day.
1: But see, I, I,
2: yeah, but I'm fond of him. I know. Um yeah. Me too. Because uh, I think here's where it gets interesting. We could have we need to have discussions cuz He's, on the one hand, committed to generating wealth while being militantly devoted at the same time to only wealth that's produced by people who do stuff. And I, I give him some credit for that. He's given away most of his money. I give him credit for that. And he didn't give his kids much in the way money. They got more than we have yeah. but anyway I, he's as these people go i
1: yeah as those people go he's, he's people a good go. one um, and bill gates is giving away most of his money yeah. but he was a dick on the way up exactly
2: it still begs the question of and i think it's a legitimate one in this historical moment in what kind of psychotic universe is it ever legit or even commendable for single organisms to command that much
0: of earth it's like like <laughs> like we said in our podcast yeah if you spend a th- $1000 an hour 24 hours a day it will take you 114 years to spend a billion dollars yes 1 billion and uh, bezos has 143 yeah. billion <laughs> right
1: well No, that's the uh, honestly. That's it's quite psychotic.
0: It's crazy. It's. I said it was perverse. I don't know. Yeah. 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 But I think that we're looking at what we were talking before the microphones turned on was linking narcissism with the four the four chi. You know, contemporary heroism initiative for the people who don't know what chi is. The four main issues: mental health economic inequality, environment, and war, right? We And we're always looking at mental health as the adverse consequences of not having enough self-esteem or opportunities for heroism in the culture. So depression, stress, addiction, all of those maladies we looked at as consequence. But now we're talking about narcissism, which is a mental health issue, which may be the result of the culture in some ways, or it may be the result of being mistreated as a child, being raised by a sociopath the way Trump was. But you're looking at narcissism also as a reason for these issues. As you just pointed out with like social media. Yes. Yeah. You're, it feeds into
1: itself. Yeah. yeah they're multipliers. So just right. So just like the hopeful spiral.
2: Right. That you were alluding to earlier. Yes. This is the malignant downward act. spiral. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So
2: and and uh, and, that, and that's a nice metaphor because they're each spiraling. Yes. At, at accelerating rates in opposite directions.
0: And we've got an epidemic of narcissisms, particularly among millennials that's being tracked with these studies, and they're saying narcissism is on the rise in the younger generations. How can it not be when you're told every day that you're supposed to be a narcissist to, to succeed in this world? Yeah, That's the messages you're being told. So I'm looking at this from the chi perspective, going, well, wait a minute. Multiplier is a good a good term, but I'm thinking causation of the, the narcissism in the individual the collective narcissism generating economic inequality am i wrong there does that make sense like i'm making these connections in my head with no data to support it no it's called intuition maybe you're intuiting it i'm an intj or something like that you yes yeah yeah, you know, given my
2: egghead background, we would take a look. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. honestly, it's a, it's a legit, and credible hypothesis, right? Yes, uh, I, it's and, and and you actually framed it, you know, the way you would egghead, <laughs> eggheadly. No, egghead and that, that's to your credit. You, you're uh, saying okay, you're positing. A counterintuitive... Right. ...causal... Yes. ...connection, basically saying a case could be made that malignant narcissism underlies, animates, amplifies, and therefore is ultimately responsible in a very central way for all of our... Yes.
0: ...original... Existential... ...areas of inquiry. Yes. Right. Yes, because... What we're saying is, in my mind, narcissism's annoying. You see these articles, well, you don't want to date a narcissist because these things are going to happen if you date a narcissist. And they're very charming. Narcissists are very, they're very charming and they're very attractive and blah, blah, blah. But then when you really get into a relationship with them, they, you know, they cause all these problems. Okay, fine. But economic inequality is a danger to your health. Yeah, It's a danger to our Form of government. It's a danger to the middle class way of life. Barzun is saying we're going to have a society of oligarchs and peasants, and there won't be a middle class to speak of. Forget democracy.
1: And I, I heard a great new word, kleptocrat.
0: Kleptocrat. I've heard yeah, that. Too. Both, both, of, yeah, the, both yeah. of
1: the parties are kleptocratic.
0: Yes. Yes. Isn't that great? That's yes, wonderful because it's, cause it's accurate, isn't yeah. it? So, you're saying, okay, narcissism, eh, it's annoying. But then you say, wait a minute, if narcissism is at the heart of economic inequality, it's dangerous, it's destructive. Then you say, well, what about the environment? Well, the environment's linked directly to economic inequality. And the environment is linked to narcissism because the narcissist says, I care about quarterly profits and if you got to burn down a rainforest to get me my my quarterly numbers so be it so be it and the next generation has to handle it so be it there's no empathy there
1: i don't think they even think about the next generation that that statement would never even happen
0: so again there's no empathy you really don't care about the consequences of your actions so you say okay so there's this narcissistic society That's spinning the world out of control from economic inequality and the environment. And then you look at war. And that's where this collective narcissism hit me. I had never heard the term before, before you sent sent us that article, Sheldon. But when you think about collective narcissism and war, holy shit. It's all about collective narcissism. We're superior, our in group is superior, oh, our in group feels put upon by those towel heads over there, we so smite them, yeah, smite them, take their oil while we're at it, because we we deserve it, and you say, well, it's a you know direct outgrowth of the society that this secular society we've created but at the same time you say but would a humble society attack the middle east this way would a grateful society attack these other people i suspect not probably not now, let's hope
1: you don't get so humble that if people come riding into your yeah, thing so like you need to be able to kick some ass if you need to kick some ass yeah you got to be careful here
0: i'm saying that There's a difference between hegemony and survival, to use Noam Chomsky's terms, okay? Okay. And survival, yes, obviously, you've got to defend yourself if you're concerned about this hostile world that you find yourself in. But hegemony is a whole different trip. That's about controlling the world. Control. Control the uncontrollable. That's that's Becker 101 right there. You want to control the uncontrollable. So, our defense budget, like 80% goes to hegemony and 20% goes to survival. You've got this collective narcissism that's driving our decision to try to dominate 1.5 billion Muslims. It can't be done. It's insane. But that's what we're attempting. And it's not just us because it's Europe and certainly the Western world. But the Muslims are thinking the exact same thing. They're going, well, yeah, you've got nukes, but we've got God. We've got Allah on our side, and you're just secular infidels, and we've got the truth. We've got the Koran. And you go, come on, folks, this is the 21st century. I thought we would have put this behind us by now, but we obviously haven't. But if, if I think about humility and gratitude as an antidote, well, then... I would think the Muslims would would embrace that, the Christians would embrace that, these born again Christians, the humanists would embrace it. You got to be pretty much of a dick to not embrace humility and gratitude. Ah, uh, I think I think dick Cheney <laughs> would laugh you out of the room. Yeah, Cheney's that. a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I rest my case. Uh, no, come on, I the the entire Trump administration. Dicks. There's no humility. Dicks. There's no gratitude. Rest my case. Yeah, but you're talking about 60 million people voted for this 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 phony game show host Here. who who purported to be a brilliant businessman and all that. I don't want to get into Trump, but I'm just saying that he's like the the poster child for narcissism. Here's the thing that continues to bug me. I was while I was cleaning today, I was
1: listening to uh, the story of electricity. Its invention. Couple of years back, I watched an HBO series called "The Men Who Made America." Right, because yeah. it sounded like it would be uplifting. These guys didn't have any intention of making America. No, they're making themselves. They were they were trying to get over. They were trying to be the big swinging dick in the fight, and they would do the most horrible things. America got made sort of as a byproduct, yeah. unintentionally. Same thing with electricity. Edison was pushing for this DC current, yeah. and he had to build like a a power station every half mile in order in order to be able to make it work. Yeah. But he wouldn't let go of that even after. And Westinghouse is in there going, you it's got to be alternating current." We can Tesla. Put Tesla Tesla's, right, Tesla's yeah. the one who yep. finally cracks through.
0: Yep. Yep. But
1: they were going head to head. There was no uh,
0: and Edison was ready to take your legs
1: off. Oh, he did the most oh, yeah. horrible thing. He wanted to show how their power is so dangerous. So they got this elephant. It's the most horrifying, <laughs> it's the most horrifying public uh, relations stunt in the history of history. because they're trying to electrocute this poor elephant <laughs> with this giant voltage. And it takes them like over an hour to do it. Oh, my God. And they're doing it on camera. Oh my God. You're watching them torture this thing. And this is so this guy can prove his point that this is dangerous. It didn't even turn out to seem that dangerous. If it takes an hour to kill an elephant, I think you'd, <laughs> you'd probably be okay after a quick spark. <laughs> but the point being that what has driven us forward a lot in this society is pretty miserable shit being done by not such admirable people. It, it, it's not always, uh, and this was something Cousin Dave, he understood completely.
0: Dave lived in the dark side.
1: Dave was very comfortable with the dark side. Oh, yeah. look, at, look at the art on the walls in the room you're going to sleep in tonight, Sheldon. It's all samurai warriors getting ready to dispense with someone with their samurai sword. Wow. In a ritualistic fashion.
0: Or there's also some nudes, sex. What Dan Lichty wrote in a I remember the Listserv. We had those emails, you know. Yeah, I seem to remember and that. He talked about balancing self self and the common good. Yeah, yeah. And, and boy, that just hit me really hard. And I wrote about that, saying every society, every one of us – has to balance. Yeah, well that's right. selfish need and the common good. Yeah. And our society is out of balance. Yeah. It's yeah. tilted in one direction. The North Koreans are tilted all the way over in the other direction. Yeah.
2: No, that's um, I think that's a great general statement that has the virtue of
0: being true, dan put it beautifully. And I I think that that our society is out of balance. We're tilted all the way over into now what we're calling narcissism or selfishness or self centeredness or self obsession, whatever it is, and less to the common good. Now, when you say, well, Warren, Warren Buffett gives all this money to charity, sure, absolutely. There's all kinds of opportunities for doing important things for the common good. But if you do them without money you're a loser it's okay if you've got lots of money and then like rockefeller you know you build a museum and you, you and you you build the cloisters museum and then you buy the palisades hmm. across the river so you've got a view so you have a good view good view from the from the
1: that's know, the way the those guys think but that's thinking big
0: but they did think in terms of the common good the robber barons were all about building libraries and, you know, testaments to themselves, legacies, and this kind of thing. These, I don't know, these billionaires, you don't see a lot of that, that kind of uh, philanthropy. Yeah, you know they're doing it for tax purposes, but it's not the same kind of thing that, well, I I don't mean the, the past is the past, but the common good, it plays a role, but unless your mother, Teresa, and you're famous, and your focus is the common good, but you're not making money, you're a loser. You took a vow of poverty as a priest. Well, you know, good for you. (laughs) You (laughs) know, it's like... Idiot. Yeah. In New York, it's, well, why haven't I heard of you? If you're so wonderful, why aren't you famous? It's this, this whole attitude that... You're supposed to be something. You're supposed to be this, like Jeff Bezos. You're, you're supposed to aspire to that. And that just fuels this, this narcissism that is, I think, that's killing us. If you come back and say, but what about humility and gratitude? They say, well, I can buy that. If you can fake sincerity, the rest is... You know, that's just easy. Ew. Ew, I don't like that one. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the first time I have felt genuinely hopeful. And I might be getting way, way ahead of ourselves here. No, I've got the same experience when we were
1: talking to him. It's yeah. because this is something I really feel like I could get behind and make something happen with.
0: I don't know what I would make happen, but I...
1: Well, you know, then what are we doing here?
0: No, I know. I
1: mean, I I want to talk about and explore it, and then it's an idea that I can see people getting interested in and not getting as turned off as they did by Becker and TMT, because it's got an it's got a potential upside. Yes, if it's really true, what we're saying here, and it sounds like it is from the experiments that Sheldon just described about gratitude being an antidote for subsequently induced mortality salience. And then testing it on the far side, proving that the gratitude had an impact. Theoretically, as he says, we got to test it more. But that seems worthwhile. And if it's true, now people can do something. That's that's something that, like you said, is built into the religions. People already have a sense of how
0: to do that. I'm amazed that they're not saying, look, don't take the sleeping pill. Embrace Humility and gratitude to cure your insomnia. I hadn't even known know about. that. why go through why go through years of analysis when you can reduce your depression or your stress by embracing humility and gratitude?
2: Well,
0: you know that's what the positive psych people would, right?
2: Um, yes. So in that sense, they have a point taken, right? and at its best that's where the mindfulness people the what the the mindfulness mindfulness movement. right you know Mike, yeah there these are interrelated constructs and i would argue phenomenological experiences you know because i think if you're grateful and humble it draws your attention to different things and that lends itself more to a state of mind that will ideally foster a completely different set of values and behaviors. Right. Possibly a better
0: society. I don't see grateful, humble people invading Iraq on the pretext of weapons of mass destruction. I don't see them burning down rainforests so they can make their quarterly numbers. I don't see them doing anything that Dick Cheney did for a living or that Trump is doing now. And I I just feel like there's something to this that makes a lot of sense to me. And I wish I understood more of it. I wish there was more data. Let's try getting that going. There's something we could help out with.
1: Right.
0: When we did the uh, Conversations with Solomon interviews with, with Jeff and Tom, and I brought up emotional intelligence, and... Jeff was like, "Does anybody know what this shit is?" And Jeff was-
1: <laughs> Jeff hit you over the head with a hammer.
0: <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> and Sheldon was saying, "Yeah, yeah, it's such and such without attribution," and I'm going, "Yeah, okay." I I from that from your standpoint, I can understand how you might not be crazy about Daniel Goldman, but I thought emotional intelligence was a very important. Oh, of course it is. Yeah, uh, you know, I think Jeff was pissing
2: on it, and maybe I was also, just because it's been floating around. The idea has been there for some time,
0: and it was uh, and it was co-opted by HR departments, exactly. And it was yeah. not, you know, yeah, like it, all good ideas, it's yeah. Been, and it's not hard science; it's soft science. Yes, that no, too. no.
2: I mean, there's no. There's good evidence.
0: I raised my kids. To be emotionally intelligent. I read that book and I said, This is what I want my kids to be. I want them to grow up to be emotionally intelligent. They will be happy, yeah. They will be healthy. They will they'll make livings, they'll know how to make a living.
1: Yeah. It's precisely what's not measured on the scholastic aptitude test.
0: (laughs) That's yeah, there's not a single question
1: on there about how to get along with another person.
0: That's a good point. Yeah. This idea that you're proud of your children. I'm not proud. I basically got out of the way and let them grow up. I, pride, they're not my report card.
2: Yeah. yeah. No, I am proud of my kids, but it doesn't reflect on me at all. Oh, that's different. That, that, I had uh, good kids
1: in spite because, of me. Yeah, uh, you know, what
2: makes me beam is when people come up and they're like, your kids are decent people. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. Like beaming. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. We yeah. Were, we rang the bell.
1: And I'm there's happy a, for there's them, that's, yeah. In my parents and their parents, in particular generation, they would have said that children are in the world to be useful to their parents.
0: <laughs> no, that's really what they believe. Well, that's the agriculture, yeah, agr- that's agrar- the, agrarian right,
1: right. culture, yeah. And in that Scott Peck book I'm always ramp- ranting about, he says that the complete opposite is true. Parents are in the world to yeah. be useful to their children. Yes. I mean, if you, just, you only have to think about it with half a brain cell to realize that that's Right. If you're going to have children and you're going to try to make them into the best human beings, you're there to be useful to them. That's right. Yeah. Not the reverse, but it's it's not what a lot of people want to hear.
0: The other hopeful notion, theory, whatever, was flow. And you turned me on to yeah, flow. flow. Yeah, flow is huge. It's huge. And I experience it all the time. I, I do too at certain flow. times. We can get. I
2: doubt the flow guy. I don't know if he's upright, but you know, flow yeah, is yeah, the McCallie, same, Mikhail blurry, a yeah. But yeah. I know his people. You know, that's the same school that Gene Lippman Blumen's at. So you definitely want to yeah, yeah. get a flow.
0: Person. That's positive. Yeah. that's, that's that, positive psychology too. Yeah, that. yeah, but that, that's another best, topic to make a guess, note of. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: To me, that's that. That's the most
0: vibrant part, right of positive psychology yeah because i looked at flow as an antidote to death anxiety it is yeah very effective and again i'm looking for hopeful possibilities yeah humility and gratitude you were taught as a catholic to believe how humble you're supposed to be i have i have
1: one uh idea it's a joseph campbellism that i want to say because this isn't completely new what you're saying yeah, there are, were cultures where the men would go out on the hunt, and when they came back victorious, the leader had the privilege of giving of away giving away yes the best parts yes. of the kill, often eating a terrible yeah. piece eating himself. It That's the same message, yeah, isn't it? The best part of bringing it home is yes. sharing it with the the other citizens. Which is inconceivable. Inconceivable now. Yes. But there are a lot of nice, quiet people who've been living this way right along. You know, they're still... Millions! They're still in the society.
0: Tens of millions! And they
1: don't... They're just not affected by this outside stuff that much. They just keep their head down. They keep going on. They know what's right. They would say, I know what's right. I know how to live my life. Right. I've got cards from people that were sent to Cousin Dave. I've been going to that church for... 15 years, and I'm not even sure who they are, yeah. but they they sent hand hmm. draw, beautiful drawings and sent right. Ken. Uh, the, the cards just flooded in here when he passed. Aww. Ken, we're so, we, you know, thank you for bringing Dave to the church. He that was guy that a, brought,
0: he, what did he bring, soup that day? Yeah, Larry from the choir. He's yeah. He's like, here's
1: some soup. Uh, yeah. We we miss Dave, and thanks for introducing him to us, and, you yeah. know, that's just a... That's
2: it. Yeah, uh, yeah. It may sound corny. Oh, but it is corny. That's but, the but locus it's, of
1: hope. But it's good. I, but it's good. I like. I like that feeling. Um, it's a I, feeling of community.
2: Yeah. So I'm stuck on that. You know, w- did we talk about this? You know, yes. the, the original. It, yes. Uh, you know, religion means to bind. Yes. And oh. is that true? Yeah, the original the derivation that comes from a Latin word, regatear, or, or something, and it means to bind. And the, the dead Durkheim French sociologist, the, his point is, is that religion originated long before gods and likely long before we were consciously aware of death. And it, its original function was a socially binding one. And he calls it effervescence, that a collective effervescence that wow. we needed some way. To express our just utter joy and stupefaction at the prospect of being alive,
0: and that it could only be done in a communal setting that's gratitude and that's the the other yeah. definition of gratitude that is missing because when you say gratitude, they go, Well, who are you grateful to?' What what gift, yeah. or, you know, what Christmas gift are you grat- grateful right. for? And you're saying, no, it's... No. That's not what we're talking it's about. Gratitude, yeah. Grateful the, for the being alive. Kind of gratitude. Right.
2: You, and so everything else is subsequent to that literal, unbridled,
0: awesome joy. Right. And, and, and taking God out of the equation.
2: Right, because it wasn't there to begin with. So yeah. The, it was all it's, about... Uh, people in the early so days.
0: It's not an essential yeah. element, although the you know the the religious people will say it is, yeah. and that's fine. But it's not necessary to be humble and grateful. No, to have God in the in the picture. I agree. You're on to something.
1: You've been listening to a conversation with Dr. Sheldon Solomon.
0: You know, we've known Sheldon since 2002. Yes, I was just a young lad at the time. Yeah, right. Thanks. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, the three of us have been friends and associates ever since. We used to refer to him as our rabbi if we needed help with our various projects. Oh, yeah. And he has been very generous with his time and thoughts. And this meeting was no exception. And if you're wondering what Sheldon is like, when he's not being interviewed in a movie or on TV, he's exactly the same. He is a great guy. He's complex and deep.
1: Right? And a truly genuine human being. You know, when you talk to him, uh, it suddenly occurs how far ahead of you he is. So every once in a while, he'll let something slip that you just find yourself staring into into the deep. But he never makes you feel that way. He's
0: he's truly a great teacher in that respect. I always feel embarrassed when he says, "And have you read so and so?" I'm like, I should just say to him, "Look, Sheldon, I haven't read anything that you've read, so let's don't even go there." Right? But it's like he,
1: he can go through a he, list of he, books about any subject. There's almost nothing he oh hasn't read.
0: He's so well read. It's but anyway, he's an academic. So, it's his job. Well, well, okay, sure, but he probably reads like ten thousand words a second. The way he, I mean, the number of books that he's let, let's probably probably so. If I could boil down what we were getting at in our conversation, it's that narcissism, this epidemic of narcissism that we find ourselves in, especially collective narcissism, which is a new term we've just learned, narcissism poses a danger to our society. We find it at the heart of several existential threats, like economic inequality, climate chaos, and war, just to name three. We have said in the past that our culture's failure to provide adequate defense against death anxiety causes numerous problems for all of us. Narcissism is both an inadequate defense and a multiplier of many social ills. So, in looking for hope in what we consider a very challenging time, we discovered something that had been right under our noses for five years. Humility and gratitude as possible antidotes to narcissism and alternatives to our culture's poor defenses against death anxiety. We say possible because
1: much more research needs to be done, but the early studies are very promising. Humility and gratitude, notions found in all the great religions, are philosophical concepts with great potential for what ails our
0: society. They are narcissism, antimatter.
1: <laughs> Will yeah, I like that
0: you like, phrase. You like, you like that phrase. That's,
1: it, it's good. Yeah.
0: It's good. I like it. And we
1: certainly yeah. need that. Uh, so we're going to explore right. these themes in future podcasts.
0: All are important ideas. Amen. Join us next time. Like us on Facebook. Please recommend us to your friends. You can find us at www.thehubforimportantideas.com.
1: And support us on Patreon at www.patreon.com front slash The Hub Important Ideas. We are 100% listener
0: supported. Thank you for listening to The Hub for Important Ideas. I'm Steve James. And I'm Ken Swain. Stay safe, everybody. Stay well.